welcome back to another episode of Less is the New More, as we explore interior design inspiration that allows us to be more ourselves at home. I am joined, as always, by Claire from Amilla. Hi, Claire. Hello. And I'm Ash from Tove Interiors. On this week's show, we are back at it with pulling out one of your top tips from our beautiful hat we've got here. (laughs) And then we're going to dive a little bit into what we touched on for last week's top tip, which was Mm. all around lighting. And we thought, oh, what a good question. Why don't we dive deeper? Yeah, let's expand on that today. Let's expand on that. So that's what we're going to be doing in the big chunky part of our show. (laughs) Classic, yeah. And then finishing off with another design disaster story, which is just hilarious. I just don't get it. I don't get how we came to this point, but let's explore it today. I'm excited. But before we get into all of that... Claire, what's been inspiring you this week? Wow, quite a lot actually. I've had more time on my hands this week to. This is true. Yeah, kind of take a bit more of a deep dive into my socials and ordering lots of books online mm. and, you know, being really luxurious in um, my inspo at the moment. Why not? So, oh, exactly right. And I'm really enjoying it. So, this week, a fabulous book arrived, which is called. How to Live with Objects. And it's by the creators of Sight Unseen, which is an online publication. And they have released this great hardcover coffee table book all about objects, interior objects, how we live with them, why it's so important to surround yourself with items that give you energy and Mm. have nostalgic um, pieces that kind of conjure up different feelings for you they've written a whole book about it there are great designers featured throughout and I've of course flicked through this book and now I'm going through in detail and literally reading every single page and I think I've got a year's worth of research right there oh there you go all of a sudden Claire's thrown out a bunch of Nick's objects and yeah I know these don't work not inspiring me I know Marie Kondoing everything like not inspiring joy how cool though because it's it's kind of it's a little bit I don't know if it's a twist or is it a twist on you know how a couple of years ago we did go through that whole objectless like Mm. don't have anything in your home like live more minimalist I know they talked on like only have things that bring you joy but there were so many books on like well why have anything at all yes so is this kind of I think it's different yeah it's reassuring the importance of having things in your home and surrounding yourselves with objects that spark joy have stories attached to them and it does talk about also the the energy that objects give off and Mm. your attachment to them Mm. and the importance of that and how it could be something like really quirky that you just found at a weird market but because it has a story associated Mm. to it has importance to you and to me I know this is a far stretch but the it has similarities like parallels to for me like the people you surround yourself with you know how they say like you know it's not five people that you spend the most time with yeah choose wisely because they will influence you and to me I can see similarities with the narrative that they're talking about that the same thing is true to the objects that you surround yourself with I love that yeah I'm really enjoying it Claire was telling me earlier this week that she collects 
Kate's and collects Ashley's. So before <laughs> you know it, she's going to have little objects in her house. These are my Kate's. These are my Ashley's. I know. I actually do. So I've got lots of friends that are called Kate and Ash. And so because we're the best. Exactly. So I like to tell everyone that I collect them. I'm a collector. <laughs> we're so, all just locked in your spare room. <laughs> you are my objects. <laughs> That really took a dark <laughs> turn. <laughs> okay, over to you. Should What's inspiring like, you? Surely something more upbeat. On give a, it, on a lighter note. Yeah. Um, look, this particular, I'm going to call him an artiste. Yes. This particular artist has been inspiring me for a while to the point where I started trying to take images the same way. So yes. he is a probably a street photographer mm-hmm. um his name is I, I only really know him as kappa through my husband okay so his instagram handle is chris c.jpg and he just takes really cool photos of objects like it could be something like a sneaker and that's what i did i got my little new balance sneakers out and tried to take photos oh, like he did. how did it go look I'm no Chris. Can we share it? We can share it. <laughs> yes. Because they're cute sneakers and I think everyone should see them. Oh, are these your new yes, New Balance ones? Yes, these they are, are cute sneakers. Mm, I yes. comment every time. But I just love how specifically what inspired me was I think he had attended the Australian Open mm-hmm. and he had snapped some live images of it. And then how he edited it to me told a story or to me I had a feeling when I looked at yes. it like I felt the tension of the game and I yes. felt whilst also being like oh yeah I'd put that in my home yeah like it's a cool piece of artwork yeah but it's evoking something more which is a big win for me because when would I ever put sport up in my home but like yeah, like he's just true. he's he's quite talented I know he releases prints like every I don't know actually it's it's semi-frequently mm-hmm. but there's a limited number so yeah. if you're wanting to get your hands on one yeah you snap it up quick and there's something cool about knowing there's only a handful of people that have the same print totally. as you in their home yeah mm. oh how great yeah really cool guy very much so well we're being inspired by very different things this week yeah. i love it sport and objects yeah <laughs> Shall we crack on to our little top tip? Let's do it. I've got okay. the hat here. How are you feeling, Claire, about I'm ready. I'm going to give it a little shake. Give it to me. So these are All top right. tips that our lovely listeners have sent in to us. Give it to me. Oh, another good one. All right. This is a bit more of a story with a top tip in it. Okay. All right. So... This person is saying that they went into a showroom for gold tapware and they were thrown a lot of terms such as powder-coated, electroplated, PVD. When they said, I want gold tapware, the showroom assistant said, well, which do you want, X, Y, Z? And they got a little bit overwhelmed and so they're wanting to know what's the difference and how am I best positioned to make a decision with what tap I buy. So they're asking between powder-coated, electroplated and PVD. PVD, okay. So, I mean, I think you could look at it as a good, better, best scenario because once upon a time, powder coating was how we put colour onto our tapware. Once upon a time when, you know, we used to only ever have chrome tapware, right? And then we went into a big phase of having black tapware, Mm. like black was really the thing. And now, of course, we've ventured to absolutely everything under the sun. 
Which I'm here for, mm. P.S. Like I think if we can do away with the um, chrome of yesteryear, I'm all about it. So the powder coating is essentially like a paint, like a heavy-duty paint, I suppose. That's I'm sure it's put on in a much more technical way than that, but that is how the tapware is coated. So it does mean that it can – it's like prone to wear and tear. It can – chip you can get scratches in it so the day that you put it in is the nicest it's ever going to look and then as you use it over time it's going to have wear and tear which i think is disappointing what i always compare it to as a really good example is not shellac what's the other one where you dip your finger in powder sns it's like sns Mm -hmm. where you dip it in powder and then yeah it kind of is and hence why it's called powder coating yes because it is a powdered substance yeah that once it's cured yeah it's like a paint yeah Yeah, and then you get the really nice finish but you know how that only lasts you three so long yeah exactly right so that's a really good analogy i love that so it just popped into my head yeah great so it does work yes you get tapware uh for your bathroom or your kitchen even uh handles Mm. done in that way but they are going to chip and damage over time which to me I don't have time for that. Like you don't want to then have to replace things or have to kind of tiptoe around your new products. Yeah. Particularly handles. Like there's a lot of wear and tear in handles. You're forever knocking up against them and things like that. So PVC – sorry, powder coating, I think it's had its moment and Mm. I think if you've got an alternative choice to powder coating, I would go with the alternative. Yeah. Which electroplating is like the next step. Yeah, and just to – clarify they're powder coating a chrome yes a chrome fixture so when you scratch it you're getting let's say you've got a bronze tap Mm. when you scratch it the chrome is what's coming through yeah so that's what you see which particularly if you're going for like a matte black and then all of a sudden it's scratched to the chrome yeah it's like so polarizing it's so obvious yeah and it's really easy to do with just everyday rings it really is Yeah. yeah so if you have the option, which the vast majority of good Australian brands have gone away from yeah. powder coating. So it would really only be like if you're buying something online, if you're not understanding where it's coming from, if they don't specify yeah, what it's coated what it's, with, yep. usually it's going to be a powder coated option. So then from there, electroplating would be the next step up, which electroplating, it's coated almost with the metal, I suppose. It's like coated in metal, which then absorbs into the chrome so that it is less prone to those scratches and wears and tears. It's just going to last a lot longer Mm. and your rings and catching it and stuff like Mm. that, it's not going to damage it. You're actually going to be able to use those products and have your black Tupperware Mm. stay black. Do you reckon it's like a gradient though? Do you reckon... The base is still chrome. Like I'm curious. I think so. So I believe so. Yeah. So I wonder. I think it's still chrome, and then it is coated. So electroplating. It's like an electrochemical process. Yeah. So I believe it is still. I picture it as being dipped. Yeah. Dipped into it. Yeah. But it almost like. But it's like porous, so it like seeps through. Yeah. So it. More durable than powder yeah, coating. it's like yep. sticking to the product more so. Yep. And the coat itself is more durable, more hard-wearing. Yep. And then from there would be PVD, 
which I mean, I'd actually have to look up what the hell PVD means. Let's have a look here. Physical vapor deposition. Okay, there we go. So it is an even stronger coating Mm. again, a higher price point, definitely where the market is going because we now have awareness and education that the PVD is the best option. But at the moment it's coming at a a price. So if you're going to compare to electroplating and you have to stick to a stricter budget, you're likely going to be swayed by price to yep. stay with electroplating over PVD. Yeah. But PVD is going to be yeah. stronger again, more hard-wearing, and it's coated again like the metal is actually yeah. coating it um, in like more of like a vacuum seal yeah. process. And I think if you're – like if you've only got the budget between powder coat and electroplating like mm-hmm. definitely do electroplating that is a good yes well definitely electroplating but if wins. you're yeah if you're really tossing up long term think about it like old school when people would put in taps from bunnings i love bunnings no no dig yeah. at bunnings yeah but you know how every couple it of has years its place. Yeah, yeah every couple of years you'd have to replace the washers because yeah. the washers were plasticky but then they started releasing new technology where the washers could be metal and mm. it was long-term but it was more expensive. Mm. If you do something like PVD, if, if you can make it work to do that, you're just reducing your chances of having to continually change your tap over and over and over again. Absolutely. Which in the long term is a better investment. Yes. Like you're going to spend less in the long term. Yes, and it's more sustainable. Yeah. As we touched on a few weeks ago, it means that you know you can put that product in it's going to last the distance of the bathroom. So it's going to last that 15, 20 years. You know that it's a good quality product and you're leaving it for the next homeowners in good nick. Yeah. Whereas powder coating, it's likely in a few years' time you're actually going to have to replace that, which nobody wants that. No. No. But we do acknowledge budget comes into play. We know better than, you know, as well as the next person that it's not always – feasible yeah. but now you know I think you did really really well okay good I think that John I would Smith love to, I'd love to now look up the exact process I want to watch yeah. videos on the exact process and ensure that I did it some sort of justice yeah but the general gist I think it's there yeah I will also say before we move into the chunky monkey <laughs> I will Great. say I'm very proud of you Claire you have really followed through on Instagram and oh, uploaded you have uploaded oh. down to the fact she was like, all right, get up, take your shirt off. We're showing everyone your tattoo. <laughs> so I wrote notes. I was not kidding in last week's episode when I said I'm writing notes so that our Insta is really taking you guys on the full journey with us. So well done. I'm back at it again this week. I'm so <laughs> Thanks, Ash. All right. Shall we take a deep dive into lighting? Yeah, here we are. So to give everyone a brief, if you didn't listen to last week's Mm. step, first, pause, off you go. Go back a step and come back later. I'll give you a brief three points that we touched on last week in the top tip, which we're going to explore a little bit deeper today. So we talked about lighting in in your home. What is a good approach to lighting? Mm. You want to make sure you get natural light. You want to make sure you get task light. And you want to make sure you get decorative lighting. Yes. So what we're going to do today is we're going to unpack that a little bit further. So I'll throw to you then, Claire. Yeah. Natural light. Give it to us. How do people think that through? What's a good approach? Well, 
natural light, well, any lighting is like so important to create the mood and atmosphere within a room Mm. that you want. So natural lighting always trumps any kind of artificial lighting because, of course, it's going to change throughout the day. It's going to enhance a mood throughout the day and it means that you don't have to have lights on during the day. So, you know, sustainability where we don't need to use as much energy because we, when we can use the sunlight, let's use it. Mm. So if we can get natural light into a space, that is the best scenario. Of course, it's never going to take the place of lighting because let's be honest, at nighttime, we're always going to need some lights. But natural lighting is a big win. And if we can get it into a room, we really should. There are lots of ways we can do that. Windows, obvious. Let's get some windows in there. Let's even get some uh, glass doors to enhance the natural light. If we've got like a little pokey window, can we make that window bigger? Of course, then by making windows bigger and in including windows where there weren't windows before. Of course, councils need to get involved and all that sort of stuff. So, Which is okay. It is okay. It's It's not a big daunting, scary thing, but it does mean there are, you know, ramifications of making those decisions. There are options such as skylights, Mm. which I do think skylights are my favourite way to get natural light into a room. A huge bonus is if it is a full skylight when you look up and it, like a window you can see the sky that's a skylight you can get solar what are they called like solar tubes yeah yeah solar tubes so a solar tube is when you look up it's like a little frosted window almost so the light is coming through but you cannot see the sky because behind that little frosted panel is actually like a little flexi duct that goes around everything that's in your roof yeah it's like going around all the things that are in your roof and then it's attached to a little window or a dome that's on your roof but you can't see straight up to the clouds in the sky. And they place strategic mirrors throughout the tube Mm. to get you the most, which I always find fascinating, to get you the most light through. Yes, and that option is such a cheap, effective, very easy way to get natural light into your room because you can do that for under $1,000 in a day. Yep. You just, you know, call up your supplier. They will come. You don't need any approval or anything like that. Mm. They will just get up into your roof, pop it in there, yep. and they're away. So I particularly like that because that could be a first step to experimenting to getting lighting. Yeah. And you might do that as a first step, you know, budget restraints or, oh, I'm looking to do a big renovation yep. in four years' time, but for today yep. I need more lighting. Yep. I think that's a really good first step yep i agree and as you're talking about mirrors within that you know flexi duct mirrors within a room to reflect natural light around a room yeah is also a cheeky way to get more natural light in you're not actually doing anything you're just putting a mirror here and there to bounce the light around the room so i think that's another good one the thing to think about with this on a probably a bigger scale project but when you're doing something with natural light, you really want to think through the sun angles. Mm. It's it's actually worthwhile sitting down with a piece of paper and working out how does the sun cascade over my home? Mm. What angle is it going to be at at certain times in the day? How is that going to then reflect in my mirror? Because yeah. there have been projects in the past, not mine, 
but projects <laughs> in the past where people haven't thought through the angles of the sun and the mirror has melted some of the products yes, in the home. on the inside. Yep. Mm. So the other thing you need to think about with natural light, and I'm all for it, but I'm going to be a realist here, is we also want to think about when you're walking into a room and you go, all right, natural light is the best form of lighting because it is. Mm. We're not throwing 101 windows no. in a space. We're not now living in a glass cube. We're not living in the glass house. I do love that movie glass house oh i don't think i've actually seen that sandra bullock um pop it on the list pop it on the list what you want to think about is the fact that the more natural light you introduce into a room the more the materials in that space will fade Mm. in color depending on how the the light is hitting them Mm. so for example the easiest way to think about it is when you have flooring and you put a rug over the top of it and you know, 10 years, sun's been coming in and out every day, mm. wonderful. You move out, you lift the floor rug up. The whole area around it will have faded. Mm. So you really do want to think through, okay, well, where is the placement of the window going to go? Mm. Because the placement is really important to getting longevity to your materials, which mm. then touches on sustainability and we're not replacing all the time. The other thing being you don't want your window placement to impinge the layout of your room. So something like a bathroom, we don't want to be putting windows on three of the walls yeah. because then you're all crammed in a cubicle of yeah. where the hell, where, are you, where does everything where go? Where's the toilet going? Yeah, yeah. So try not to go overboard on all of that. Yeah. But but it might be where you go, okay, well, I'm not going to do something like a window, but I am going to do four skylights. Like I've done yes. that before where we've just saturated the space in skylights. Yes. And because of the way skylights work, it's almost diffused lighting. Mm. So it can't affect your products to the same extent. Yes. So, yeah, I guess I'm just letting you know. Yeah. These are some things to think about. Another one with the natural lighting coming through is of course the more natural light coming through, the hotter it your gets. space is going to get in summer. Yeah, I mean in Melbourne here this week we know like it's been a scorcher, mm-hmm. and in instinctively you close all the blinds, mm-hmm. you know you crank up the aircon. So the more windows you have, the more sun protection I suppose you need indoors yep. by ensuring that you can well, have blinds or something to yeah. close them off with. Yep. To reduce the amount of air con, to reduce yeah. your, the amount of energy that you're using inside. Yeah. It's definitely an upgrade on your skylights that is worthwhile is getting the electronic blinds yes. put in so you can yep. do it. There are, I think there's two or three tiers. So mm. you could do it where you've got a skylight that's got nothing. It's just the light. Mm. Beautiful. Wonderful. Alternatively, you can then upgrade and you can get shutters that are put on it that are electrical. So you've got a remote that you can then close. You can do them halfway. Like you can control. And that would be on the inside of the home. Yes. Like like a blind really. It's like electronic It comes through. Yeah. Alternatively, the third is it's an automated. Mm. So you can do skylights that open and close and Mm. have shutters. And basically what happens, let's say you've got them open and it starts raining, it recognises that and it closes. Mm. I'm going to sneeze. Sorry, but it's still so cute. (laughs) So, yeah, you can have a skylight that when it rains, it Mm. will open and close itself to make sure no water is coming in on the home. Alternatively, you can also get ones that run on a sensor that when the home heats up to a certain point, the blind then closes itself to try and reduce some of the heat in there. So there's so many things available to you. So I think that's a pretty good wrap-up point. Yeah. We've splattered on a lot of natural light. Alrighty, let's move on to task lighting. 
Task lighting. Well, why don't you take this one off? All right. I will give you the definition of task lighting. Oh, okay. To give you guys an understanding of what task lighting is, often task lighting refers to increasing illuminance to better accomplish a specific activity. So it's essentially there to provide you with practical lighting to execute whatever it is you're doing in that space. Yeah. So to give you a little bit of context in each room, just so we're across it, Mm. in a bathroom, you'd be looking at things like task lighting to help you do your makeup well. Yes. um, And your hair and whatever you may be doing in there. Yes. In the kitchen, it would be things to really help you focus on the preparation of your cooking and the execution of your cooking. Yes. So making sure you can see that the chicken's cooked all the way through and we're not all vomiting later <laughs> yes, that night. Yes, please. Yes, things please. like that. Important. Yeah. And you're not chopping a finger off. Yes. Like. <laughs> in something like a living room, you focus a bit more on reading. So something that you mm. might be doing in that space as yeah. opposed to glare on the tv so you want to think about angles in that zone really well bedroom claire what would be task lighting in a bedroom wow plenty of tasks going on in there (laughs) but i won't go into that and probably more just like getting dressed understanding that you can actually see where you're going in the room um it's really task lighting is really all about in enhancing the activities that need to go on in that room yes you're making those tasks easier to execute with lighting my favorite task lighting that I've just done in a master bedroom walk-in robe slash ensuite yes is I've done censored lighting when you get up in the middle of the night just underneath yes just underneath the skirts and kickers as you walk through comes on yes so you can get enough that you are not stepping on something or you know waking your partner up anything like that but it's not too much that you actually wake up yeah too you know, you, you wake up a bit, but like, yeah, you can toddle back to bed. Absolutely. And they're usually on a census, so they're only on for like, say, four minutes yeah. or something like that. Yeah. There's a lot of forethought in something like that because, generally speaking, task lighting, you think of the day to day tasks that you're doing. You don't think of, I mean, you go to the bathroom. Well, I go to the bathroom every night. I get up every night to go to the bathroom, envious of anyone who doesn't, who sleeps through. Oh, I'm a sleeper through. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. I you have am to, not. I never used to be. And yeah. I pretty much potty trained myself. <laughs> and every night when I'd wake up, I'd make myself wait like 10 minutes longer. Yeah. And then I got to morning and now I sleep through. Oh, my goodness. Wow. I'm so jealous. Body right training now. hacks 101. <laughs> because something like having that lighting, um, I have it underneath my vanity unit in my mm. bathroom. It comes on. It's on a four-minute timer. Life changer. It is so very handy because mm. you're not putting those harsh lights on yep. at nighttime. But you do have to have foresight. You actually kind of have to understand how yep. really how you and your family use the space yeah. to come up with, oh, yep. what about that task? What about yep. in that situation? I think there are specific questions you can ask yourself to almost answer it all. Something that I get my clients to sit down and do, and I'm not going to give you all my questions because – you know, I can't give everything out. Can can't I give it all away. Got to keep all my secrets. But two of them is what do you – so I get them to just write out what do you do in the space. Mm. And I want to know three unique objects that live in the space. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that gives people a bit of a trigger to be like, oh, actually I've got crutches next to my bed because I'm always falling over at night. Like, yes. you know, it just – it helps me understand how they actually 
living day yes. to day. Yeah. And or like the dog sleeps in the yeah. bathroom at night. Yeah, time. exactly. Know, something like that. <laughs> it triggers things more than just how do they want to look and feel mm. in that space. And so, yeah, I think spending a lot of time writing things out, sitting on them, coming back a couple of days later, mm. reviewing them and being like, oh, I forgot that I do this. Yes. Alternatively, you can just have a book with you a lot of the time and when you're doing something, write it down. Yes. Be like, this would be really handy. Yeah. Because task lighting, again, it's like natural light. We don't want to saturate the space with it. You do really want it because you want to enhance your ability to live in the zone that you're renovating or designing or whatever you're doing. Totally. It's so important. But for whatever reason, I do think that lots of people don't put as much emphasis on like a lighting yeah. plan as you should do. It should really be at the top of the list yep. when, in your design process. Yep. If you're looking for a little extra knowledge on lighting, I would really advise that you go follow on Instagram a company called Lights, Lights, Lights. Fabulous. They do educational videos on their stories that really help you understand lighting One of the things that I love about them, and it's like pulling teeth sometimes with electricians, but we don't want to just throw 12 LED lights in the ceiling and you're good to go. It doesn't work. It's not the best way to approach it. And so they really unpack how should you think about a space Mm. when you're doing lighting from natural light all the way through to decorative lighting. So they're actually a really good resource have a look into so that you're understanding what task lighting is I might give you some examples of what the fittings themselves are Mm. so something like a directional down light is what we would say is task lighting it's Mm -hmm. achieving a purpose it's helping you put your makeup on it's highlighting an art piece Mm -hmm. something like that um led strip lights in the kitchen underneath your cabinetry is really positive task lighting Mm -hmm. Track lighting. Now, track lighting is a battle that I have with my clients It because I think people remember like those really ugly like shop front track lights through. Yes. But they're really practical. They've been designed, especially by Lights, Lights, Lights. They've been designed really well now. They're slim line. They're not as invasive. But you can change the direction of the lights themselves fluidly mm. over time. Mm. And I think that's really beneficial to being able to grow in your space yeah. because right now you might be renovating where you've got three toddlers and you need all the lights on the dining room table so you can keep an item at all times but they're going to grow so this gives you the flexibility to adjust how that would work yeah. yeah and then things like we touched on before skirting in your walk-in robe mm-hmm. underneath your vanity all those little touch points that make a difference before we move on to the next one I just wanted to also touch mm. on the fact that if you are renting or again not doing a renovation maybe a um, makeover or something like that you can upgrade your light bulbs yes. that can make a huge difference too of course ensuring, just putting them on a dimmer yeah ensuring that of course the the fitting can actually take a, a higher voltage but by increasing the lighting that is available to yep. you is actually a game changer yeah and you can do adhesive strip lights. Yeah. Like you can temporary. buy temporary. You yes. can buy temporary strip lights. Now they're not channeled in, so you can you can see them a little mm. bit. But I still think that's better than no task lighting. Absolutely and so right. yeah, if you're in a rental, you could throw that in your 
underneath your kitchen cabinets, underneath yes. your vanity, all of that. Mm. And you can also get really great, like your smart bulbs that you can Yes. Use. Oh, we didn't even touch on yeah. this, of course. You can use them via an app on your phone. Mm. You can change the brightness. You can change the color, the mood. But you can go, okay, well, for right now, I need my island bench to be really bright because I'm chopping with the world's sharpest knife. Yes. Alternatively, when people come over for dinner, you want to be able to readjust that. So if Mm. you are renting or you're just looking to do something minimal in your space, that's a really great way for you to be able to control your lighting Mm. without doing something permanent. So mood lighting. There's like mood lighting, decorative lighting. These are the... I say the fun lighting is like yeah. the bits and pieces that really just enhance the mood, yeah. um, make a space a bit more bougie that without it, the space is still functional. You've got your task yeah. lighting, it's still functional, it's still going to work, but this is really adding to the mood. And you really want to balance in your home. Sure, you want to complete a task, but you also want to sit down and have a nice glass of wine where you can't see all your wrinkles in the mirror. Exactly like, right. you know, so, and that's what decorative lighting is really great for. Yeah. And I think the thing that that's I'm, what it's for. <laughs> <laughs> so that you don't, you don't have see to your wrinkles. see your wrinkles. So that if you have a few too many wines with friends, <laughs> you can block them all out for the bedroom, yeah. you know, when you just don't want to be able to see each other. Yep. <laughs> Enhance that mood. That's what it's for. I think, well, I know I'm in a better mood when I can't see my wrinkles. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think the thing that I love about decorative lighting is the journey it's come on in the past five years I agree I think five years ago if you had talked to an interior designer about decorative lighting they would have said three teardrop pendants above your island yes and maybe that's it like possibly one pendant in the bathroom but it's Decorative lighting yeah. once upon a time was only ever associated with, with pendants. a pendant. That was it. Yeah. And I just love where we are now. And I would say that a lot of that is prompted by the Milan design show four years ago. Yeah. I would really, or five, four, yeah, four years ago. Four years ago it must have been. Just before COVID, they had a huge lighting exhibition, which they do every year. Mm. But, of course, the increase of social media, yes. the fact that what other people are doing is so much more accessible yep. to us now, I do think that that's really yep. made people kind of rethink the importance of decorative lighting yep. and the fact that you don't have to just have a pendant. And things are more accessible now. Do you, like, know, you can get so many different options. You can, you really can. And one of the things that I think was the game changer in our industry for in Australia mm. for decorative lighting was the monkey with the light bulb in his mouth. Yeah, yeah. That was a shock to the industry, I think, when people saw it. And it was everywhere. It was everywhere. Mm. If, you, if you don't know what we're talking about, it was a wall light. You could also get them in lamp yeah, formats. Yeah, like, and he's like holding the little light. And he's holding – it's a monkey and he's holding the light. And I can see Claire's writing a note that she's going to put it on our Instagram yeah. later. <laughs> but that got, that got released shortly after the Milan Design Show a couple of years ago. And I remember in Australia specifically, it – churned up a lot of conversation yeah and I think we started to take a different approach to what could decorative lighting be yeah and now it's evolved into stunning wall lights you know um portable lamps which I'm Mm. a big fan of that you can move around your space there's just so much accessible to you now beyond pendants yes I find myself I'm rarely rarely doing pendants 
because there's so many nice wall lights. My favourite wall lights have got to be like ceramic wall lights yeah. that all these ceramicists, are they yeah. called? Yeah. yeah. Just independent artists are venturing away from making plates and deciding, hey, well, I could make lights too. And they would have to be my favourite. It's the fact that things – well, I suppose materials that we weren't once using for lighting, we're now using and exploring for lighting and I'm here for it. It really adds to, I mean, hence why they're called decorative lighting, but it really adds to the interest of the room. Yes, they're lighting, so they do have um, a, a job to do, but for me, whether they're on or whether they're off, beautiful decorative lighting really just enhance a room. They're so making a room look better. They really are, un- like, without much effort. Mm. So talk me through then what are some common placements for wall lights? I think we would all know instantly in a bedroom, wall lights either side of the bed, above like a bedside table, to assist in reading, of course, but just a vibe. Like yeah. they just look great. I often, if I'm trying to be bougie and like people are coming over for dinner or whatever, I'll just put the bedroom wall lights on only in yeah. our bedroom because yeah. it's the first room they walk past in the hallway. You know, no one's necessarily like going in there to take a look, but when they walk past, it's like enough that it's, it's a glow. Like, yeah. It's like, a mood setter. It is. Like it looks nice in there. Um, I think that wall lights in the bedroom, like that seems to be the most obvious. But then everywhere, like a either side of a mirror in a bathroom we're seeing a lot of that in a lounge room like I have two wall lights next to my tv like on the entrance and like those wall lights I totally picked them just because they look nice oh they they do though stunning whether they're on or they're off they are stunning and I use them so much more than I actually thought that I would yep because they're the lights that I just flick on. If I need a little bit of light in a room and yep. there's just it's a cloudy day, there's not quite enough natural light, they're the ones that I flick on yep. rather than the main lights. And that's not the way I thought I would yeah. live in that room. Yep. So, yeah, wall lights in that instance too. Down wall. a hallway. Yeah, down a hallway. Yep. Absolutely. Really anywhere. One that has only just cracked into being a possibility is above mm. the bath. Mm-hmm. Now – Electrical in a bath has zones. Yeah. So you've got zone zero, zone one, zone two, zone, you know, X, Y, Z. And basically in zone zero, you can't have any electrical. Mm. Now what they've done is they have put height alongside that. So you can actually have electrical. I think, don't quote me on this, but I think it's 1700 above mm-hmm. bath, mm-hmm. which is too high for a pendant. Like it's an awkward height for a yes. pendant perfect height for a wall light yeah so you can put them above your bathtub now you may have to have a little battle with an electrician over it but you can definitely do it yes one of my favorite with a bath if you're installing a bath because of the ritual aspect of it to have a soak to decompress in a bath I truly believe that mood lighting is a must because you don't want the task lights on Mm -mm. You don't want that harsh light. Again, you don't want to see all your wrinkles. So you need that mood lighting yeah. and a candle just isn't quite going to cut it. It's not going to cut it anymore. Particularly if you're reading in the bath or something yeah. like that. And then I think we can't forget about elements such as lamps, side yeah. table lamps, floor lamps, like, you know, those, they add a lot of function as well as so much so. mood. And they're going to be one that, as you said earlier, they will 
change and evolve as you change and evolve in the space as well. So when you're thinking about all this as a whole and you're thinking about your lighting, although there are three elements, you really want to make sure you're thinking about how all these elements interact with one another. So we want to ensure things like light bulbs, you can get cool tones Mm. and you can get warmer tones. So you want to make sure that you're installing along the same theme so that we don't have these really cool toned LED lights on with all your warm decorative does create a jarring yeah the colors and the colors are different in the room yes it distorts your wall art it distorts Mm. your cabinetry tones so you want to make sure that it all interacts with one another really well Mm. what's some advice we could give to make sure they're interacting well all three of those elements yeah you really need to consider all three so we can't silo these no three lighting they're a family They are. They've all got to go together. You can't have one without the other either. You really can't. Decorative lighting could be the one that doesn't necessarily have to be in every room, but needs to be represented throughout the home. I feel like I've had an epiphany. Oh, which I saw it on your face and I was like, what is she doing? (laughs) What is this face? That's an epiphany face. That's an epiphany face. (laughs) (laughs) Is lighting Mm. the same as the 60-30-10? 60 natural, 30 task, 10 decorative in each room. I think it is. You've just nailed that. Yeah, within reason, that is really what you're trying to achieve. Mm. The thing is, you do want to ensure that they work individually. So although although we say you can't have one without the other, they need to be able to work individually and they need to be able to work together. together. So we've just given you a bit of homework. Well, not homework, but... Like, you can't do this, you can do that, it has to work together, it can't work together. I think it's clear. I, I get it. <laughs> I think it's good. The 60-30-10 rule really does apply here. I think that you're yeah. onto something there. And that is a clear rule that we've touched on previously. And I think it's something that's going to continue to come up. I agree. It's like a quick and simple check. It is. Yeah. Mm, is that's your checklist. Yeah. Yep. That, really I think is. that's how you're going to create balance in the space. Mm. If you can do your lighting plan and then within reason you've got kind of 60, 30, 10, mm. I actually think you can be pretty confident to go, this is going to work. Yes. Well, I think that that is lighting. It means that now we have our design disaster. Oh my goodness. So Ash is going to take us through an absolute cracker today. <laughs> Wait till you hear this. Should we build the suspense? Yeah, dun, please. Dun, build dun, some dun, more. Dun, dun, dun. I don't know. <laughs> um, that was a very upbeat suspense yeah. music. <laughs> Alrighty. So this is a story from a fellow designer. Basically, in a nutshell, A client has contacted them and said, I need to renovate my bathroom. I renovated this bathroom about 15 years ago and it needs some love. So we're ready to redo it. Mm -hmm. So this designer's toddled on out for a consult and the client's talking them through the bathroom renovation. And the designer's gone, oh, these tiles are a bit interesting that they've got on the wall. And the client goes, yeah, they laid them. And I didn't remember picking those tiles, but I must have. And they laid them. And the designer's gone, something's really not right here. She's walked up to the wall tile. Now, this is over the entire space of their bathroom. (laughs) The whole bathroom. She's walked up to the wall tile, touched it, and gone, they've glued these on backwards. So... (laughs) 
basically with a tile, the face of it is, let's say you pick like a ceramic subway tile. The face of it has got the nice gloss, the subway look and feel. The back of it is like a rigid, um, unfinished, generally a grey or really rough surface so that it can cling on to the glue. They've glued the ceramic side to the wall (laughs) and the rough, exposed, unfinished side that has codes on them. Like generally they've got codes on them. And this client hasn't picked up on it. And all they've thought is, shit, I don't remember picking that colour, but okay then. I I'm just... And no wonder it needed to be renovated in 15 years. They would have been so dirty yeah. and disgusting. Yeah. They would have just clung on to anything. And I think they would have moved quite a bit because ceramic can't hold glue. Like How finished, is that? How did they not just pop off the wall? Yeah, finished ceramic can't... It doesn't have the same adhesive qualities. Not at all. So I'm picturing like water damage and tiles skewed. And I just really want to know when the tile has taken a step back at the end of his time there, he's gone, yes, this looks good. Yeah. Tick, tick, tick. God, I've just done such a fabulous I've job today. I've done it today. again. I don't know why the side of these tiles were blue. <laughs> I think that this grey, ugly. Heaps better. Heaps better. Heaps better than the blue on the other side. Oh, my god! I don't get how this could possibly have happened. And I equally don't understand how a tiler wouldn't know and then a client wouldn't know that that is not what they're meant to look like. And then every person who's rolled through that bathroom since. Yeah. Imagine when it's finished, like showing off. Yeah, look, great at new ba- look at my fabulous bathroom. And everyone's walking through going, these tiles are so weird. I have to give the client the benefit of the doubt. Sometimes you design your bathroom six months prior to it being designed so I have to give them the benefit of the doubt that they've just gone oh it's not the way I remember it but I trust yeah that, that this well, is what they I- are the tiles that I picked okay great I c- <laughs> oh this one just rattles me it really rattles it's me it's a disaster it's a real disaster it better not be an old wives tale someone better not have taken advantage <laughs> no. of me so oh. that's a wrap That is it. Another episode of Less is the New More Done. And dusted. Again, thank you for joining us and coming along for the ride. We hope that you, you know, learned a little bit about lighting today. Yeah. And please go and follow us on the newmore.podcast on our Instagram and give us a cheeky little follow on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Yes. And if you don't want to miss an episode, because why would you? Why would you? Click subscribe and a little notification will go, ding, Claire and Asha here to talk to you. Every week, here we are in your little ears. (laughs) Well, until next week, we hope you guys have a great weekend. Yeah. And we'll see you then. Catch you later. Bye. Bye.